0: Good morning, Evergreen SGV. My name is Pastor Victor. And this Sunday, I come to you for the very first time as the family pastor. For the past 10 years, I've served in outreach, first as missions pastor and then outreach pastor. And now I come to you as a family pastor. And so it's great, I'm excited. And this morning, I wanna share a little bit more about some of the process That I've been going through, trying to evaluate children's ministry, trying to figure out the direction of our church in family ministries. And so I wanted to share that for over a year now, I've been evaluating children's ministry at our church. And I quickly come to realize just how complicated an issue it is to care for children in the church. What do I mean by that? It's a complicated issue. What do we do with children who are born in the church? Now our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, they would baptize that baby as initiation into the covenant community. That makes us feel a little uneasy as Baptists. And what do we advocate for as Baptists? We maybe do a parent-child dedication, but really what we do is we baptize a person. We believe in believer baptism. So when somebody confesses, that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, we baptize them and invite them into the community of faith. The question becomes, at what age do we baptize children? Do we take their confession when they're young, no matter what age? Or do we wait for a more mature understanding of the faith? You could see how things get a little complicated. It's a debate that rages amongst churches. At what age do you baptize children? And that's why the church developed things like catechism. Catechism is a question-answer system to help a child articulate an orthodox understanding of the faith. And from catechism, you have confirmation, where the church confirms the faith of a child. And then you have first communion, where the child takes communion as a member of the body for the very first time. And then you have membership. It's quite confusing, everything. And I share this not to communicate the stance of the church. I share this to invite you to see some of the process that I've been going through as family pastor. And it's something that I will have to present and, and decide on behalf of the pastors as we come together what the stance of the church is in regards to this. And all of this complicated issues, these complex questions, it points to a greater question, and it's this. How do we disciple children? How do we disciple children? Meaning, how do we raise up a child to become more like Jesus? How do we do that? Well, this morning, I want to look at two well-known passages in the Bible that speak of children, One's Matthew chapter 19, and one's from Proverbs chapter 22. And then we'll look at a third passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And hopefully, we can, from these passages, get a good model of discipleship. How do we disciple children in the church? So, first, turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Let's see, how do we disciple children? In the church. Matthew chapter 19, and if you're able, why don't we rise for the reading of God's Word? Matthew chapter 19, beginning with verse 13. Here's the first point How do we disciple children? Well, first, first point the church cannot disciple children alone, the church cannot disciple children on its own, the church cannot disciple children. Alone. Let's read verse 13. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. As Pastor Ron mentioned in his message, in that day, parents would bring their children to be blessed and prayed for by the rabbis and elders. And so that's what's happening in this passage. But note the response of the disciples. They rebuke not the children, but the people who bring the children. And what this communicates is that the disciples believed that the children were not worthy of their master's attention. The children were not worthy of their leader's time. But verse 14, Jesus proves the disciples wrong. He says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, I have time and I have attention for these children. These children are not junior citizens, they're not lesser human beings. That was maybe the belief in that time. These children are valuable to me. Jesus is speaking of the value of children. He values and treasures them. And Jesus also uses children here as an object lesson for adults. It wasn't a children's message, it was an adult message. And basically he's saying that the kingdom of heaven does not belong to the strong, does not belong to the independent, does not belong to the mighty or important. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the weak. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the humble. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the dependent, just like these children. And so Jesus uses children as an object lesson for adults. Remember that these disciples of his, they were jockeying for position. They were jockeying for power and prestige and importance. They were debating and arguing who the greatest was amongst them and who could sit at the right hand of Jesus. And so Jesus takes that understanding, he flips it on his head, and he said, the kingdom of heaven doesn't belong to the important, the independent. It belongs to the weak and the dependent, like children. And we see from this passage, we, we see this a lot in churches as a basis for children's ministry. This passage from Matthew chapter 19. Right? And churches will say, yes, they'll just use the same words from this passage. Come, bring the children. Do not hinder them. Let them come, and we will show them Jesus, and we will bring them to Jesus. Amen? Yeah, so churches all around use this passage as a basis for children's ministry. And I say amen to that. We value children at our church. We welcome children, and we will show them Jesus because Jesus loves them. Right. But let's be careful not to to bring any more out of this passage than is necessary. I'm sorry, I see people standing up here in the sanctuary, so you can sit down if you want to. I never dismissed you to sit down. Let's be careful that we do not take any more out of this passage than is intended, meaning this is not a model for discipleship, meaning that what we see in this passage was not meant to be replicated Weak. After week, You see, Jesus didn't come every day thereafter and had his time with the children like Mr. Rogers. It wasn't like Mr. Jesus in his neighborhood, although that would be pretty cool. We see in verse 15, he laid his hands on them. He went away. Jesus went off to the next city. This was one instance. It was not meant to be replicated over and over again. What am I getting at here? I'm getting at a mentality that parents can have, an expectation parents can have on the church. I'm going to drop off my child at Sunday school. You're going to bring them to Jesus. You're going to bless them. You're going to teach them the Bible. You're going to baptize them. You're going to raise them up, and they'll become men and women of God. I'll drop them off. I'll check out. I'll be at Starbucks. There's nothing wrong with Starbucks, but it's the mentality I'm getting at here. This mentality that parents can have to drop off their kids at church and check out, and expect that the church carry the sole responsibility of discipling their children. But the church cannot disciple children alone. We can't do this by ourselves. This passage was not meant to replicate model week after week we cannot have this mentality that i'm just going to give you my children you take care of their spiritual need and i expect i expect that they will grow up to be men and women of god that's on you church well let me just tell you right now on behalf of the church the church cannot disciple children alone and that brings me to my next point parents cannot disciple children alone. Parents cannot disciple children on their own. Parents cannot disciple their children alone. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6. It's a well known verse, well known proverb, something that parents all over cling to. They hold on to. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Again, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This word train up in the Hebrew also means dedicate, as in dedicate a house. So train up or dedicate a child And the way he should go train up dedicate or set before a child the way he should go what is the way they're talking about here in this proverb it's not clear it's not clear whether it's a moral way or it's a vocational way but note that the larger context of this book Proverbs the whole book of Proverbs is intended to to show us the way of wisdom Versus the way of folly. And to have us choose the way of wisdom or the ways of God, the fear of God, over the ways of folly, our own understanding. And so because of that larger context of this book, I believe train up a child in the way he should go refers to the way of wisdom, the ways of the Lord, where the beginning of wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord where we walk according to God's ways and not our own, not according to our own understanding. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You set before a child the way of wisdom, and when he is old, he or she will not depart from that way of wisdom, the way of the Lord. The problem becomes what happens when there's a child who is born into the church born to Christian parents, born in a Christian family, who grows up and turns his or her life away from the Lord, away from the Christian faith. What do we do then with this verse? Well, remember that this is a proverb. What's a proverb? A proverb is a wise saying that communicates a general principle for life. Again, a proverb is a wise saying that communicates a general principle for life. A modern-day proverb would be this. An apple a day keeps, what? The doctor away. I think that's a very wise proverb. You eat healthy. You eat your fruits and vegetables, children. Right? You'll stay healthy. But at the same time, we realize that you eat too many apples, you're going to have to see the doctor. So let's be careful that we do not take a proverb and try to squeeze more than what's intended out of it. For instance, let's just look two verses ahead. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Again, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. We would say amen to that. This proverb is saying, Have humility, have fear of the Lord, and your riches would be. No, your reward would be riches, honor, and life. However, we would not hold so tightly to this proverb as a guarantee that if you have humility and fear of the Lord, you're going to be rich, right? You're going to have honor and you're going to have life. Why? Because we know people who do have humility, who do fear the Lord, who are not rich, who may be dishonored and may not have a full life. Remember, a proverb is intended to communicate a general principle for life, to set you on a path of wisdom. Let's look at verse 5, another proverb. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. We would say amen. Stay away from crooked ways. You'll stay away from trouble, thorns and snares, if you stay away from crooked ways. However, We know that even those who stay away from crooked ways still encounter difficulties in their life, right? Because the proverb is to communicate a path of wisdom, to encourage us to choose wisdom, choose God's ways. But let's be careful that we do not take more or try to squeeze more than what's intended. And so we come to verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it it's encouraging us to choose wisdom choose the path of the lord and set your child on that path that trajectory towards god and when they're older they will not depart from it let's not squeeze more than what's intended out of this verse and let's not if our children grow up and they turn away from the lord let's not shake our fist at god take this verse shake our fist at god and say what happened because that's not what it was intended from this proverb. And the mentality that I wanna address here from this verse, from squeezing it too tightly, are parents who try to control the spiritual life of their child. Parents who are so controlling that they try to impose their faith on a child. And they might use this verse as justification for it. You see, as parents, we can fall into a trap thinking that we have so much control over our child. What we put into our child is what we're going to get out. It's like we apply a simple formula for their spiritual growth. But that's not the case. That's not the case. Parents, we are not the Christ. Parents, salvation does not come from us salvation comes from the lord parents we cannot save our children salvation comes from the lord parents we cannot change the hearts of our children only god changes hearts and so this mentality this controlling mentality the extreme form of it if we have one out of End of the spectrum is the drop off, check off, check out mentality. The other end of the spectrum we have here is what I call the helicopter parent with a savior complex. Okay? The helicopter parent who hovers and tries to control, impose spiritual faith on a child. With a savior complex, they're trying to save their child. They're trying to do everything they can. But remember and recognize salvation comes from the Lord. Only God can change hearts. We are not the Christ, Jesus is. So how do we disciple children? How do we bring up a child to become more like Jesus? Realize first that the church cannot do this alone. Second, parents cannot disciple their children alone. Finally, third, parents can only disciple their children with the guiding help of the church. Parents can only disciple their children with the guiding help and support of the church. Parents can only disciple their children with the guiding help of the church. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 4. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is a famous passage among the people of Israel. It's known as the Shema. What does Shema mean? It means here in Hebrew. And that's because we first word right there in verse 4, here, Shema. Hear, O Israel, this is a call to attention to the people of God it's a reminder to the people of god who they worship who they're called to Hear, O israel the lord our god the lord is one this became a common prayer recited by the people of israel a mantra almost to remind them of their ethnic religious and cultural identity the lord yahweh our god the lord yahweh is one they're reminded that they worship and are called to the one and only God, the God above all gods, the one uncreated creator being, God, Yahweh. And as such, their worship, their ways are distinct from all others. The nations, they worship a multitude of gods. The people of Israel, they worship the one and only God above all gods. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. This is a call to love, to worship, to love the Lord your God, Yahweh, with everything you have, right? All your heart, all your soul, all your might. And verse 6, these words that I command you, who's speaking here? All right, children, who's speaking here? It's Moses. This is Moses communicating the commandments, the ways of the Lord to the people of God. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. Impress them on your heart. Verse seven, you shall teach them diligently to your children, to each generation. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. What's this talking about? You love the Lord with everything you have, You see him in everything, every day. You teach them to your children the ways of the Lord. In everything. Every day. The whole day. Right? When you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise, throughout the whole day you speak of the Lord and his ways. You pass them down to generations. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. What is this talking about? Constant reminders of the Lord and his ways. You see the Lord in everything. You speak of him in everything. Every day, you pass it on to your children and to their children, to each generation. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Again, love the Lord your God with everything. See him in everything. Teach your children every day in everything it's a beautiful passage it's a beautiful picture of discipleship every day in everything right not just one day a week on the lord's day not just at sunday school or church service but every day in everything right Right. but what i really wanted to highlight from this passage Because I think that there are parents who say amen to this. They say, this is what I'm trying to do, Pastor Victor. I'm trying to teach my children the ways of the Lord in everything, every day. Amen to that. But what I want to highlight this morning is that this call, this call to love, to teach, to worship in everything, with everything, was not given to one individual. And it was not given to one family. It was given to the collective body the covenant community of god the people of israel and i believe that we miss this a lot of times when we read the bible as americans we focus on the individual right and we think this passage speaks to us only as an individual or as asian americans we focus on the nuclear family which is very rigid my own family But here in this passage, it's to the collective people of God, the family of God. And we miss that. And that's what I want to point out this morning. Parents, raise your children in the ways of the Lord, on the path of wisdom. Show them Jesus, yes. But do that in the context of the greater local body, the body of Christ. Raise your children to show them that they are part of something greater than themselves, greater than even their family, their nuclear family. Show them that they are a part of the covenant people of God that has lasted from generation to generation. That's our responsibility as parents. And so parents, here's a reminder You can't do this on your own, nor were you meant to. Your homes, your families are not churches. You don't baptize your child into your own family. They're already members of the family. You don't take communion as a family because you take communion as part of a greater body. And what I wanted to share is that upon my evaluation of children's ministry at our church, The reason why I advocated for not a children's pastor but a family pastor is because I recognize that the sole primary responsibility of discipling children rests on parents because only parents can do what we see in this passage. Only parents are there every day, every moment of the day, when they lie, when they rise, when they walk throughout their home. But as we've seen, parents cannot do it by themselves. How are you gonna be reminded of the commandments, the ways of the Lord? That's where the teaching of the church comes in. That's where coming alongside parents in their journey to become more like Christ comes in. As family pastor, I wanna come alongside parents as you raise your child to become more like Jesus. And as family pastor, I wanna connect you parents to the greater family of God, here at evergreen suv i want to connect you parents to other aunties and uncles to spiritual mothers and fathers to older brothers and sisters let's do this together we can't do it by ourselves parents you can't do it on your own you can't disciple your child on your own we as a church we can't do it on our own one day a week maybe two days it's not possible but let's work together and let's together help raise your child in the ways of the lord to become more like jesus to see them when they make a confession to baptize them into a body to help them discover their gifts in a body to serve as important members and parts of a body parents let's do this together And let's remember, parents, that these little children that you see before you, they will grow up, they will grow older, and they will grow out of your household. What then? Have you raised them just to come under your authority? What happens when they become adults? Or are you going to raise them to come under the authority of a greater body, a local body? Are you going to raise them to show them that they are part of something greater than just the family? They are part of the greater family of God. So parents cannot disciple children alone. The church cannot disciple children alone. Parents can only disciple their children through the guiding help of the church. How do we disciple children? How do we raise up a child to become more like Jesus? It's a complicated issue. It's a complicated question. And the reason why it's complicated? Because children are complicated. And I know we can fall into a trap thinking that children are simple. They're like a blank slate. But no, children are complicated. One child is different from the other. One child Is uniquely created from the other we cannot plug children into an equation and out pops a mature christian we run into problems when we think that spiritual growth happens from a simple formula if i do this and this then i will get this and this it's not a math equation that's not how people work and that brings me to my next point is that children are complicated because People are complicated. People, we all have our own issues. We're uniquely created, yes, but we're uniquely fallen too. We've got our own weaknesses and vulnerabilities, our hurts. Same with children. And this discipleship, this task to walk along somebody, to walk along somebody, not just for one year, not just for two years or four years but for all of life through life's ups and downs through life's tragedies through life's disappointments through faith crises that is very daunting and to walk along somebody with all of their hurts their weaknesses their brokenness their issues it's messy discipleship is difficult whether for a child or an adult discipleship is difficult it's daunting it's messy and we cannot do it alone but we were never meant to do this alone we were never meant to tackle this task this one task that the lord has entrusted to us the most important task yet the most challenging task we are not able nor meant to do it alone we need each other we need the guiding presence Of the sun? It takes a tribe. It takes a village. It takes a covenant community to do this. Again, it takes the guiding presence of the sun. Lo, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. It takes a family. Family of God. Here, oh evergreen SGV, are you up for the challenge? Here, O oh Evergreen SGV, are you up for this task? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you have counted us worthy to be entrusted with this task of discipleship. But we acknowledge that it is a difficult task, and we can't do it on our own. We need your help, your presence. But more than that, I I pray that from this morning, from your word, we see that we need each other as one body, as one family, helping each other, pointing each other to grow more and more like you, Jesus. Whether for child or adult, this is the task we are entrusted with. Help us to know and acknowledge that we cannot do this on our own. Help us to work together, God. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.